Welcome to Bonnets at Dawn, the show that explores the lives and works of women writers from the 18th, 19th and 20th centuries. I'm your host, Hannah Chapman. And I am your host, Lauren Burke. Today, you're going to hear a roundtable talk that Lauren moderated with three other women of colour who are actively involved in the Jane Austen community. It's a fascinating and honest discussion about diverse casting, Jane Austen fan fiction and community organising and speaking for myself. I think some of the best stuff that you've done for the show, Lauren. Oh, I thought you. it was a really, um, yeah, a really important and interesting conversation. So I'm really glad you pulled it together. Well, I loved chatting with those ladies and we are going to jump in in just a second. Um, but first, I just wanted to say that I wanted to do this episode because I have been asked quite a bit and especially this summer you know, how do we get more people of color into Jane Austen? And um, this one is tricky and it kind of stumps me a bit because my Austen friend group is actually quite diverse. Mm -hmm. And I do think that the question that we need to be discussing is, um, is really about inclusion. So we should acknowledge that, like any fandom, the Austin classic literature and period drama communities can be very uncomfortable for people of color. And that's not only because of, you know, problematic histories or perceptions of problematic histories, but also because there are many people in the space who think that, you know, because I'm not white, I shouldn't be allowed to comment or engage with British literature. And like, believe me. We've received those emails at bonnets at dawn at gmail.com. And one of the things that drives me insanely crazy about this, right, Lauren, is that Jane Austen's Regency England was 200 years ago. So mm. as a white woman, as a white British woman, guess what? I don't have much more insight than you into what that was like. Right. <laughs> the times, they are a change in and they have <laughs> been for a, a minute so I don't know this idea that like Americans or women of color or, you know, like trans people or people that don't fit into that perceived narrative aren't going to understand or, you know, poor people. Right. You know, men, I don't, like, <laughs> come on. It's boring. That's such a like so narrow minded. There are two articles that we recommend for exploring this topic further, and those are Alt-Right Jane Austen by Nicole M. Wright for the Chronicle of Higher Education, and also The Battle Over Jane Austen's Whiteness by Jasmine Malik Chua in The Daily Beast. And I've certainly appreciated those pieces, and we've had excellent discussions about them in our Facebook group. Now, speaking of the Facebook group, we had a great thread a few weeks ago about colorblind casting, and I just wanted to amplify some of the great points that were being made there. So let's let's just jump into it. My name is Nikki Payne. I am an anthropologist by training and an avid romance reader and writer, and I love the clash or the breakdown of cultures like coming together there mm -hmm. are 
a lot more really compelling and interesting reasons why people choose not to be together because of those cultural boundaries. Um, and I think Jane Austen is a great way to kind of think around those types of things. Uh, I am Bianca Hernandez. Um, I'm a co-admin for Drunk Austin, but I also, you know, volunteer <laughs> with real organizations that do literacy work. Um, I love Star Wars. I actually met my fiance because of a Star Wars night at a museum. I like it. Excellent. Um, hi, I'm Nandita Shinoy. I am an actor and a playwright and a Jane Austen lover um, who wrote a Jane Austen play because I never got to audition for any. So, um, so I just made one in which I could talk about Jane Austen. I think that starts us off really nicely because um, you're in our Facebook group and yes. um, you saw that one, that question that came in a few yep. weeks ago, I think about you just, how would you feel about colorblind casting, um, which we get that from time to time. For me, I think that's always um, interesting to see who that question comes from and how it's, how it's kind of presented. I think it's usually from a white person asking other white people how they feel about people of color. <laughs> Um, in these adaptations. And so I really wanted to get your perspective as a working actress and a writer um, on this issue at large. So start wherever you'd like to start, where you'd feel comfortable. Um, well, I, I have, uh, I think I was introduced to uh, the Facebook group at the very beginning of the pandemic. So it's become like a pandemic place for me. Um, and uh, I do remember that post um, pretty vividly, actually, because um, honestly, that was the reason why I started writing. So I started in the in the theater as actually a dancer, um, and then became an actor, and then became a writer pretty much out of necessity because I just didn't feel compelled by the things that I was auditioning for. I didn't feel like I had that many opportunities. Um, one thing that was really prevalent when I started writing, which is like mid 2000s, uh, was that I, I very rarely auditioned with my own accent. I almost always auditioned with an Indian accent um, mm. because that roles for Indian women always um, had an Indian accent, which I don't have any issue with, but I was like, there's a whole generation of uh, American people of Indian and South Asian descent uh, in America who have stories to tell and why aren't any of those getting told? Um, and so when I wrote my first play, it was based on Northanger Abbey. Um, and for me, just as a first time playwright, I had written short plays, but then I was in this writer's group that, uh, that to stay in the group, you had to write one full length play every year. So my first full length play, I was like, well, let me take the source material that I know well um, as a leaping off point. And because I did love classics, I have an English major. Um, I, I was an English major in college and I um, was very much educated in that kind of Western canon tradition, uh, but was never given the opportunity really to explore any of those roles that I grew up with. Um, and, uh, and I also really love Jane Austen because I think I find her to be a feminist writer. Um, and yeah, and I wanted an opportunity, A, to be able to wear a Regency costume and, mm -hmm. um, and B, to be able to talk about the things that I really loved about her. So I wrote a play that was a modern retelling of, um, of 
Northanger Abbey with a multicultural cast. Um, and I guess thinking about, uh, I, I actually just taped an a interview for Chawton House um, talking about ad, ad, adaptation um, of Austin. And I think that something really interesting that happens in Jane Austen is kind of this friction with pop culture because at the time Jane Austen was pretty much popular fiction um, mm -hmm. to read. And so my play has a lot of pop culture in it, pop culture references from that time. And now it feels like, oh my God, that's a period piece from like 2010 of all the references. Um, but I just like that interaction. And again, I think it's something that should be accessible to any actor. And it, in, in the, I would say in the 2000s, like I really never got to audition for anything. And, and in, I'll say in the 10 years since then, um, there's been a lot of change. And I, in fact, did uh, the Kate Hamill uh, adaptation of Sense and Sensibility it was the last thing that I did before the pandemic and then um, at Virginia Stage Company. And then I actually just did a reading of it last night uh, for the Hangar Theater, which again, had a super multicultural um, cast. And I just think that there's something really interesting and fun to be found because we've had like a bazillion so-called purist interpretations of all of these stories, like why not do something different? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So it, that's good to see that you've you've seen progression within the industry or within, is it within just maybe just theater or do you think other, it's touching other parts of the business as well for actresses? I was thinking about this this morning before um, getting on this Zoom was that I was thinking about uh, The Great. I don't know if any of you have watched that oh, yeah. on Hulu. And mm -hmm. I love that it's just a totally multicultural cast and nobody talks. They're just, they're just playing their characters and they're mm -hmm. all fabulous. Um, and it's just not an issue. And I, I think it's really interesting and fun and, um, and just, and different. And, and why not? Why shouldn't we see something like that? You know? Yeah. Nikki, Bianca, what about you guys? Uh, general feelings or thoughts on the issue? Or have you seen progression as well? I definitely think there's a couple of things in here we're talking about. And one is, I think, for sure, it's the casting of people. And I think one thing is just like, yeah, we've seen the white adaptation a million times. Are we really going to say that, like, we that no people of color are in this era? I think that's, like, part of it for me, too, right? Mm -hmm. Like, the people who, and that's the other part, it's how people talk about it. And I feel like some coded language when people are talking about it, mm -hmm. going back to the root cause of like, when we hear people bring it up um, and they're like, well, it's not a pure adaptation. It's not the, and I'm like, what you're saying to me though is, I, I'm gonna read between the lines and say, you don't like that there's, yeah, like purism is just like a bad word. Like, I just feel like it's just, yeah what they're meaning is white supremacist language to me. Like when I hear it, mm -hmm. it's just like, you want a Regency adaptation that has, or even a modernization. Like I even have seen people talk about modernizations this way. And I'm like, no, like Idris Elba could play Mr. Darcy. Fuck you. Like you can't mm -hmm. literally say like a black person can't play Mr. Darcy. Like, I'm sorry, there are ways you can do it. There's also nuance, right? And going back to the mm -hmm. like idea of like, when you put this on stage and when you're when it's there i've seen um at oregon shakespeare festival um in ashland i saw a production of sense and sensibility that was colorblind cast and it was great like it's a thing where 
it does not have to be an overt thing that suddenly it changes the whole meaning of something. But you know what? It means a lot to people of color to see any representation on stage. But also there's some nuance that you can read if you want to as a person of color watching these things and seeing these tensions because like we, I think we touched on, we started touching on a little bit about how Austin is so much about these spaces where there's tension between communities. Mm-hmm. They're like having that tension and having that, especially today and have like, we've always talked about how theater can talk about these very political issues or these really important cultural issues. And I'm like, you know, casting like, when I was watching that, I'm like, yeah, I could see how like a, a person of color as like Edmund would be like maybe potentially worried about bringing like a white Beyonce home, you know, like to mm-hmm. me, I'm just like in those spaces where I'm like, I know it's like a Latina that like, I was just like, oh my God, my fiance is white. It's, it's going to be okay. And it's just like those, I think that like, if people are so set in this purest way, then they forget that there are other perspectives. There are other people out yeah. there that also want to see themselves and their experiences represented. And I think part of talking about Austin is so much about it's universal. We still think about these things. There are still terrible fuckboys like Thornton there or uh, like Thorpe and like, and Wickham. And they're like, these people still exist. Or like, there's a terrible lady Catherine that try to rule your life. There's a Mr. Darcy who spurned you, but he actually kind of loves you. And like, there's all these universalities, but I'm like, to say that you have to have a pure white thing actually denies the universality of it. And it denies mm-hmm. other people from having that place in that conversation, which is why I'm just like, you know, on Drunk Austin, I'll post like the fan casting of these different casts. And I, it's a thing that when I hear people saying, well, someone could never play that. And I'm like, let's, I'm gonna, I'm gonna unpack you right now and say, why are you <laughs> saying this? Like you can't, this is all, A, we, we preface this by saying it's a fantasy, but B, mm-hmm. it's just like, have fun with it. like. Why, why do you want to deny other people from seeing themselves in Catherine Moreland? Um, Sonia Kamal uh, came and talked to one of my Jasna regional events. And I think there's something to also really think about and sit with as Jane Austen fans about people who are from colonial impacted cultures yeah. in any way, shape, and form. Anyone who in any of their ancestry, their community, their culture, their ancestors have been impacted by colonial powers, their experience might be so much similar to the things that they're reading on Austin's page. They might still, that might be so much closer to them than some like white cultures that have been many generations removed from colonialism because colonialism impacted people of color for so much longer. And with that, it's going to be things that are tied into culture. And I think there's just something there that I also think is a thing that we could see like Again, with nuanced stage productions, some stage productions, you know, I get it, colorblind casting, but also I could see how people could do a nuanced casting and how, you know, like, okay, well, the, you know, the Darcy family is actually, you know, has this tension with another family and maybe it's because, well, it's an indigenous versus colonial power. You know what I mean? Like, I think that there's something there that could actually be powerful, which is why Mm -hmm. I'm like, colorblind casting, I think it's always a conversation of what are we really talking about here? Like, yes. Something that I always feel like um, is very interesting about Jane Austen is um, that sense of ownership um, and that sense of um, of Britishness, right? Which can also uh, be one-to-one with whiteness, but the idea of telling a classic British tale that people feel a lot of ownership and a lot of pride of place in, that, that, um, that regionalism and um, and racism and colonialism are like these this kind of really gross braid, right? So when people think about what it means to be uh, British, they're not thinking Idris Elba, 
right? They right. they are thinking, you know, um, about all of these, you know, um, um, characters that mean Britishness. And so suddenly when you put a character of color um, into these like perfect British spaces, right? It forces people to rethink like who they think they are and what they think like their country or they themselves are even about. And that makes people who associate um, propriety and rightness and goodness and nationalism with whiteness um, it's just a dis it's just a disjunction. Do you know what I mean? It just completely separates them from what they imagine their reality is. And that's I think we should always be striving to put people in those uncomfortable spaces. But uh, when people think about embodying a classic or thinking about like the the ultimate British um, the British rose, right? Um, these are things that are actually wrapped up in race. Right, and to decouple them is is still is still work, right? Mm -hmm. um, one of the one of the things that I um, have also tried to tackle in um, in Netherfield Must Go, it's about DC, but it's also about that that um, association with who gets to be um, who gets to be in what people call the leisure class. One of my favorite like academics, she was talking about Jane Austen, like actually just really pissing on it. And she was just like, Jane Austen ain't for black folk. It's about a leisure class. Um, it's about um, leisure in a way that certain parts of the community will never be able to actually connect with. You know, what do you mean you're walking around all day not doing anything, right? <laughs> um, so like there's a real tension between like reading about a leisure class, right? From individuals who were enslaved, who, um, who constantly, um, like can't make end meets without working two or three jobs. And so that notion mm -hmm. of like working class or um, wealthy or genteel, um, <laughs> genteel poverty, right? It just seems so hard for um, a lot of people in the community to feel um, that that could even tell a story about them, even outside of mm -hmm. race. There was just like, what black folk are you gonna find who ain't got shit to do? do you know what I mean? right. uh, and so like, there's some real, real tension in the story that I was trying to tell um, mm -hmm. about, about um, my character. I actively made her um, live in a, a, a project, right? Or live in a place where she was nervous about what the community would look like, um, where she did a lot of work um, and, and her mother worked and her grandparents worked. And that was a part, and she was also a part of this like constantly striving, constantly hustling community. And, um, and that was part of her disdain, right, for, um, for my Mr. Darcy, who was, who was actually an Asian male, right? Um, and that's another type of thing that I'm always attempting to kind of break down, right? Who gets to be a beauty? Who gets to be a, a handsome leading man, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so like, I just like to play with those things, but, but um, just when we think about those large categories of like Britishness, of like, Jane the beauty, right? Or Mr. Darcy the eligible bachelor. Uh, when we say those words, what type of images immediately pop into our head? And those are the types of boundaries that I like to play with and break down. So now you're gonna have to tell us more about this work. <laughs> like where do we find your writing, first of all? Um, it, is, <laughs> it is right now in what I like to call a, an agile development phase. So <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's um, the first, um, spot, the first like part is out uh, right now. 
but it's like part one. And I've been like kind of working with the community of writers to say like, oh, this is really awesome. This is interesting about that. And then I've been like uh, writing with those in mind. It's completely done, mm -hmm. but I like the idea of releasing a kind of MVP, um, you know, mm -hmm. a minimum viable product and then kind of working with the community um, and thinking about um, how this character can grow and thinking about what's wrong with this, with those types of connections. And so I plan to kind of um, put out the reworked uh, version of that. Um, I don't know, maybe around um, October, maybe um, okay. late September. Oh, cool. And when you say community, is that a Jane Austen community oh. or is it a, a writing community or both? Uh, this is actually like a, uh, it's a combination between a Jane Austen community and also like these like community of uh, black women writers and readers and romance uh, readers who have normally are really like don't really touch Austin, right? And that's okay. like really that group of individuals that I'm always trying to strive for is they're like Jane Austen, eat classics, ill, you know, like give me some, give me this like contemporary um, people who like see me and know what my actual struggles are. And I, that's another goal of my work is to like introduce people who would never think that Austin could have anything to do with them and say, wait a minute, these stories are actually universal. Mm -hmm. um, I think romance novels and like church on Sunday are like two of the most segregated spaces, right? In, mm -hmm. in like the country and, um, and trying to see the, trying to let people see those universal themes um, in, in that is really important to me. Now, speaking of community, um, we find ourselves in a moment in time where many organizations, including some Austin communities, have banned discussions regarding race on the grounds that, you know, it isn't family friendly or it's just too political. So, Bianca, as a community organizer, you know, how do you how do you feel like they're handling that? I mean, I feel like not handling it at all is the is what that is, right? Just shutting right. down any discussion of race, which further entrenches those subcommunities into that echo chamber. And I'm mm -hmm. just like, okay, like that's an interesting way of going about creative writing where you're just in an echo chamber instead of challenging your own thinking. The Austin community is huge, but then there are all these sub-communities and sometimes you don't talk to each other. Sometimes you don't even know the history. Sometimes when you've entered, right. you don't know the history of what's happened, it's like your first day of high school, you're like, oh, I thought everyone was being super nice to me. It turns out this like jock was just like a joke on me. Like, you know what I mean? Like right? every teen rom-com. <laughs> yep. like, oh, that's kind of walking into fandom, right? Where you're like, these people were yep. super nice to me. And it's just like, wait, hold on. Like you didn't know the context and that's fine. And I think definitely like I've tried to like publicly talk about these things on the platforms that I have when I've seen it. Mm -hmm. um, and in Ways that are less of just like, go trash this thing and more of, hey, did everyone read this thing this, that they posted? Just gonna make sure you more widely see it. Right. Or even question publicly, say, hey, why did you decide to do this? Um, and I think like there are definitely ways of negotiating those spaces. There are definitely not people who feel like they can do that, which is fine. Um, mm -hmm. But it's definitely a thing that I'm just like, wow, uh, I can't believe that you really felt like you wanted to publicly say even the discussion of race is racist. Yeah. I find it so fascinating that at this particular moment in history, 
that people are like, let's just not talk about it. I mean, everybody is talking about it all the time. How could you not talk about it? It seems so crazy to me um, to just be like, it's not polite. I, I don't know. There's, it's just, it really felt like the, the posts that I have, because I'm not a part of Jaff. And so I just kind of peeked in to see what was going on and was like, oh, interesting. Um, and, you know, I, I will call out my own industry in the same sense that there's a lot of times of like, it's just easier. It's just easier not to cast inclusively. And I also, right. uh, you know, I just want to go back to one thought about um, now the industry is actually starting to move towards either color conscious casting where they're making these choices because of that friction that we were talking about before or inclusive casting, which I think would be more like uh, the great um, in which it's not an issue at all or really remarked upon. Um, but the other thing is that um, also we have to look at who gets to tell these stories. And I think that's what's so yeah. lovely about um, the Bonnets at Dawn group and the moderation that you're doing is just that you are creating an, an inclusive space. And so the person who said on that thread, well, I'm a purist and I want this, no one was like, you're a jerk. Um, mm -hmm. You know, but I was actually pleasantly surprised to see how many people were like, no, I would really enjoy that. This is why, this is what's interesting to me. Um, and the amount of like response when I said, well, this is why I look for it. Otherwise I'd never get to do this fun stuff. Um, and, uh, and also just this idea of like, it's, it has to go beyond casting. It can't be just, yeah. you know, the actors, because generally actors are the least empowered people in the room. Um, mm -hmm. And I would love to see, I mean, frankly, more women um, at all get to direct uh, Austin. And then, you know, who's involved in like the, all the teams? Why can't they? There's so much more depth to be found and had and explored and enjoyed. Um, and so I really think that the moderators in these other groups that we're referring to that I don't know intimately at all, but I think they're really turning down an opportunity to have a very rich conversation and talk about the way, I mean, again, to go back to what Bianca said about like this constant idea of like Jane Austen being universal. But when you say universal, do you mean only universal for white people? Like, right. You know, a universal is for everyone. And, you know, what Bianca was saying about colonialism resonated so much for me, because I feel like all of those marriage themes in you know, which are so ad nauseum in Austin resonate for me as, as an, you know, an Indian American person. Um, in my culture, marriage is extremely important. And, um, and I do experience a type of pressure that is much more akin to a Jane Austen novel than any of my white American friends whose families have been in this country for generations. Um, and so there's so much there, but it just, it, it honestly shocked me when I looked at those posts to be like, wow, you're just going to be like, let me stick my head in the sand and say no. I will say it, it really brought me back as, I mean, I'm a very light skinned black woman. I grew up in a very white community, went to very white schools. And this was, very, it brought me back to like 25 years ago, growing up in these communities where I would feel like I would walk into a room and there would be sort of an elephant in the room, right? Like, who is she? What is she? That question. What What are you is the question that I've 
received more than people are nodding. Everyone has everyone gotten this question? Yes. Mm-hmm. What, <laughs> what are me. you? Bless me, but <laughs> I just you know I've heard that a lot, and then uh, there's also been the other thing of like just don't mention it because we don't want that tension in the room. Don't don't mention that you're black. Don't bring up any of these issues. It was like just be polite and keep it moving essentially. But what about the tension that causes you? One of my one of my um favorite Jaff authors, um a white woman, Abigail Reynolds. Um she, she was um having people were having a discussion about like uh, about how polite society, right? And like how people acted or behaved, particularly women of the time. And one of my favorite comments or posts from her was like posting this tea set that women in Victorian times used that was like all of these, it was an anti-slavery tea set. And it was like, mm-hmm. this sugar is honey and it's not sugar because we don't like fuck with slavery, right? And mm-hmm. it was uh, essentially women who were in these parlor rooms, right? Discussing whatever things that women discuss in these parlor rooms, these women of leisure, placing their politics in any place that they could. This is, it was essentially a Black Lives Matter t-shirt, right? Um, where they were sipping tea or doing these things that people associate with with smallness and frivolity, right? But also making the stance against what is is good and what is right um, in the world. And I, I think it's such a disservice to women of that time, right? Um, yeah. To the notion of like purity and being a purist to imagine that even then, right? During Austin's time and this like white world that you imagine that these women were not thinking of others and otherness, right? Uh, that makes me think too of when I hear people uh, talk about the Francis O'Connor Mansfield Park, the 1999, oh. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I also think yep. about the coded language there. I always like I I hear the same things when people are like, "It's just not a pure adaptation," and I'm like, mm, "Like I could hear you arguing that like Fanny Price's character, like literally they took other like they took Jane Austen's quotes and put it in her mouth and they put, it. but when people are like, "It's the plot" or something else, I'm like, "But what about the plot?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> like what parts do you not like what part like I think I don't know when I when I hear people criticize that adaptation if you haven't seen it it, it really it makes it very clear where the money's coming from as far as just like the, it, the money's coming from slavery from a, you know a plantation from you know and there's illustrations even of black people and I'm just like even illust- like it goes back to the even the acknowledgement of POC people at the time somehow is weirdly offending some people like I'm not like not everyone but I like I do think in these discussions it's something to be mindful of that I'm always just looking back my mind like what is it that's really bugging you about this like and, mm-hmm. I, and it's not that I want to come in with bad assumptions but I also really understand that coded language is there and like when I ask people to like hey well what about this part or well if you like that adaptation you know that one also really skewed really far from the plot now I'm thinking about the Lopton Croft uh, newsletter on diversity and Jaff uh, when she said, um, I should pull it up. I'm probably going to misquote Sarah terribly, but it's something along the lines of um, the escapism that people need to feel in these stories. And um, do they need to have people of color removed from these stories to in feel order to fully yeah, escape and feel comfortable? Yeah. Where, I mean, again, yeah. it, you know, just 
talking about historical accuracy, if you want to talk about purism, like England was a colonial force at that point, there had to be people of color, you know, Mm -hmm. granted, not a billion, but like, certainly there were people who were not white in England. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's so bizarre to me to have this constant sort of I don't know, just like the, I, 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 the word purism really, really bothers me because I'm just like, it's a text from 200 years ago. And like, how do you know what is pure? Yeah. And we know that like, we would know, like we read deep into her letters and all of, and like the news article she would have been, like, we would know she would for sure have awareness of other places. But we also know from her text, like Sanditon, like we literally have, we have set up with a black heiress and I'm just like, we never, we're never gonna know how it ended, but we know- <laughs> But she's even, there. But she's there. She's there yeah. and Austin gave her power in a way that other heroines didn't have in her previous text. And I'm like, that's important. But again, when we think of adaptations of Sanditon, almost going back to our first discussion, <laughs> no POC writers in that room and I feel like like when we talk about you know as we you know having not only diverse cast but also if we're going to make nuances about race or talk even even a little bit about race having somebody in the room um and Crystal Clark who played Miss Lamb has talked about that more openly um and it's just fascinating because I also think that like the whole Save Sanditon is a whole different like discussion than we're even here for today but (laughs) Like, really talking about that and how, you know, certain fans are talking about these things. And I, and I, and I liked that this, um, that Lopton Cropped came out with this because when, it, when I saw this first come out, I was like, is no one talking about this? And Jeff, and like, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah. because I, like, sometimes you just miss things. Sometimes, like, the internet is wide and vast. And sometimes, especially in this community, you miss things. And I read this and this really resonated with me because I, the depth of what this is talking to like all the details about escapism and also just like like digging deep into things i'm like these are clearly issues like these aren't this doesn't come from a place of nowhere these are all issues that this person has seen heard as someone who's had to write these open letters very recently had to write these detailed granular things these this doesn't come from nowhere and therefore it shouldn't be ignored i think it's so easy for people like oh i haven't seen any issues i'm gonna ignore it i'm like no this is so granularly done and like in such a way that's also, I think people sometimes confuse criticism as anger or like not being appreciative. And I'm like, no, like when you criticize something that you love and you're doing it in this way and you're putting the energy into it, you are trying to save it. You are trying to help that community. And yeah, every time, anytime someone like has this weird like ickiness about unpacking this or talking about it and being uncomfortable about it and like but this person like these always come from places of love like you you're not gonna put this effort into it if you don't want to save something i first of all amen corner all day um the the idea (laughs) that like thoughtful and healthy critique of a thing takes away your love or joy of a thing. No, that's what you do when you're deeply involved with something. Like the people who will dissect every episode of Star Wars, it's not because they hate Star Wars, it's because they love it so much, right? And so uh, taking away people's ability to say, why is this this way? Why is that the other way? Um, Can we switch this around? Um, It it goes into, and I don't wanna 
you know, go too far off on this tangent, but like, if you say something is messed up about your country, for example, if you don't like it, you can leave, right? Right. <laughs> um, like that, the notion of critique as, um, as, um, as unpatriotic, right? Or um, untrue to, to a real love is kind of a dangerous way to think about how to move forward with anything. I agree. I mean, I always think, aren't we always striving to be better? You know, just as humans to be, mm -hmm. to be better. And how do we get better if we don't receive criticism or don't receive feedback? I mean, you know, as, as someone who receives a lot of criticism in my, in my field, like I get it that sometimes you're like, oh my gosh, please leave me alone. And I don't want to take any more notes. But at the same time, I think everything is given with the sense of like, this could be better. And I think all these communities could be better. I mean, we can all be better. Now, Bianca, you've been doing a bunch of work on so much work. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Not only like curating inclusive communities, um, helping them sort of get there, <laughs> already established communities already get there. Um, yeah. Talk to us about some of the work that you've been doing with Drunk Austin in this community <laughs> with all of it well um, with all of it there's like, i mean there's too many things to even mention <laughs> so many things um i want to say too about john costin you know robin is the co-admin and she's actually been like so supportive too like and i think like you know before the last few months especially uh we both were really supportive of each other we'd be like hey fyi so that i saw people saying this about this post I, like, I'm going to dive in. I'll deal with it. Like, don't worry. Like, we, if we see little fires, we deal with it. Like, we, you know, we take time. And, or, you know, if I'm, like, hey, I'm, like, doing something really stressful right now with work. Like, if something goes, you know, just, I'm not going to be as available right now to, like, moderate. But, hey. But uh, I think the first things that we saw, and this goes into a little bit of intersectionality, I guess. Um, when we really need to step in and be like, no, 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 no. Like this is no longer just a fun meme page. Like we have to make it overt. It was anytime I posted anything about feminism, uh, people got very upset. They're like, we got, we, we still get DMs about like Jane Austen wouldn't have talked about blah, blah, blah. So you shouldn't either. Right. And I'm like, this is bye. <laughs> Goodbye forever. <laughs> like, you know, there are levels, right? Like I talked about how I, you know, there are some comments that'll be like, can you explain this? But there's some comments that I'm like, you are not worth my time. Uh, you know, especially when it gets to like, if people are just using like hateful, like violent language, I'm like, I'm going to insta ban you goodbye. Um, there mm -hmm. are definitely levels and layers. And it always also depends on like, how awake am I? How like <laughs> much energy do I have for you right now? But like, right. we have gotten to a really good place now. And I think it really took a lot of blow ups years ago around even the community self moderating and being like, no, Jane Austen was a proto feminist. Like, and like having these discussions and like the community also feeling empowered to do that because we right. overtly were like, yo, we are not going to not be feminists on this page because like, that's not okay. Like, it's not okay for us to like be in this corner and not talk about these issues. But anyway, yeah, I think like that was really start. I think that really helped the community kind of take that note and be like, oh, this is what this is. And I can either leave or I can stay. And if I stay, I can also be backed up by the admins. Cause we'll come in, like if people have already like self-moderated, we can be like, hey, this person's right. Stop that. You stop that. They were right. <laughs> like, don't call mm -hmm. the admins on this because we're gonna like say that like they they were right in correcting you or they're right in challenging your thinking. Um, so I think it's been really helpful to have someone like have my back. But yeah, recently 
um, doing a lot more. And like Robin's also being really respectful or she'll say, hey, this thing that you posted is getting a lot of comments. Do you need backup on it? Cause like people are getting angry and like, that's really helpful to have because sometimes it does take a lot. Um, but yeah, I think definitely the breadth of work happening around the awesome community. It's a lot. Um, I'm doing a lot of like, especially volunteer stuff, um, for a lot of fandom communities that I'm with on this higher level. And I think my big thing is I think it's different for some communities because if you already have people who are thinking about it on in like your admin space, your moderation, your creation space, it's different. But I think to the point earlier about how some places just didn't even want to talk about it. And it's like, if you're not equipped to talk about it, that means that the people in your group are not diverse, that you don't have people. And you need to think about the makeup of your group um, and the people that have power. Uh, because I think this goes beyond even like this discussion. It's bigger too. It's if you only have people with any kind of power that are white or that are male, or if, especially when all the discussions in um, June started, and, and this is not just Austin, it's a lot of places where people are like, can you, like, I don't know any POC people in this fandom. Can you find some? And it's just like, hey, like the fact <laughs> that like, yeah that like i've been asked i've been asked to get on the black phone and call people like it's okay. it's so bad and then like <laughs> yeah. it's just it that's a moment where i'm just like this should be a very distinct learning moment that you have no one on your board or no one on these subcommittees and i'm talking about a lot of places here like no one yeah. if you're feeling called out i this isn't like exactly a subtweet because i'm talking about so many places so you can if you're mad and you feel like i'm targeting you you can dm me and i can tell you the laundry list of places i've talked to you about this mm -hmm. but literally people would be like hey so yeah we want to start this diversity thing and we don't actually know anybody to go can you help and i'm like let's <laughs> talk about this let's unpack it um yeah and it's just really like that level of just having to start from the ground up with places and like this should be a wake-up call for you um mm -hmm. and i think definitely in the austin community that's part of it too right it's just like hey let's have a wake-up call about why these things are happening and yeah i've been trying to do more of just i i feel a little like you did lauren where i'm just like do i want to become the person that talks about race all the time right and it, like, like that's the thing right where it's just like because i'm the poc person in the room i'm gonna think about it and like do I want to become the person that like steers us that way? And I definitely know that I have gotten some, a little bit of pushback and I'm like, Oh, like, especially like at certain, in certain spaces, like certain Jane Austen spaces where I'm just like, people want to be genteel. They don't want to talk about it. Um, I got replies. Like I sent out a very um, strongly worded email to my membership because I'm a regional coordinator uh, about like how we were going to think about diversity and how we're going to think about racism and inclusion and like, like, really confronting that instead of kind of the mm -hmm. vague meandering emails that don't, I feel like don't really confront that, that are just kind of like mm -hmm. flowery, but don't really have substance. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I definitely got some emails from people that were just like, I'm not here for this. Um, Jane Austen isn't political. First of all, it's wrong. Um, and I told people <laughs> that. I explained how that actually she did talk a lot about politics and there is a lot there. Um, and the very academic journals that they sling back, you have to almost learn a language like the academic journals that they sling at you, you have to sling back 10 times more. Um, and it's rough, like it's not easy, but um, I've definitely tried to think about like the, the things that I've been putting on my personal Instagram as kind of this 
um, like subject basically like think about like, okay, how are we talking about this? How are we thinking about like non-white um, perspectives on Austin? And like, I made like a card because I'd seen someone say, it was just like the wording was really weird. And it was, it was a list, it was like multicultural Austin. And it was like, think, look at these adaptations from around the world. And I'm like, Eva's boy's pride is in America. It's in modern America. Yeah. <laughs> Do not call, like, it's little things like that. And, I, and, and there are other- Otherness. Yeah. yeah, it just continues to other people. And I'm like, mm-hmm. from book clubs to big organizations to whatever, like, we need to be thinking about how we're talking about these things and how we make people feel further othered, but also- how we can use the power if you have any power how can you use that to bring more people in to have these hard discussions to educate yourself instead of just being like hello person of color that i know you're gonna get no credit for this work we're gonna make you find all the people and we're probably gonna take all the credit for ourselves yeah or also that's very important (laughs) i just want to underline that very important or it's also a siloed thing i feel like when i talk to people Mm -hmm. about this in different organizations it's like well this is the diversity like this is our one discussion a a, a month or quarter or this is like this is the one thing we're doing this is the committee or this is the one thing that we're doing and it's Mm -hmm. just like it has to be far-reaching it has to be you know all across everything and when people Mm -hmm. don't realize like I think it's really hard I think especially too when we talk about Jane Austen community where people are just like set in their ways um Mm -hmm. I've I've heard a lot like when I brought this up before in certain Jane Austen spaces about like hey this person said something that was actually racist and they're like well you know they're a product of their time Right. Um, you know, in their time, it was okay. And I'm like, you know, it's really fascinating that we can give space in the Austin community to be like, we are constantly learning about the newest white soup recipe, but heaven forbid you learn better terms that aren't racist. And I'm just like, we can't have both. Like, we can't have this weird space that like, holds academia up here, which academia is not without its problems. And I think that's also right. part of me trying to verbalize like hey we have to unpack all of it right because mm-hmm. unpacking that like like the awesome community like ethos but we also need to go to like where are the places that we're like well this is like the epitome of Jane Austen knowledge like this is a Jane Austen scholar so they're an expert on that because I wouldn't be mm-hmm. like I would not be considered an expert but I feel like like a vast majority of Austin people and that's fine but it's also a thing where I'm just like I love empowering like my members in my region, like I've had some members who I was just like, come on, like, give me a 15 minute talk. You love this one niche subject in Austin. Mm-hmm. Talk about it. Because, and I feel like I've, I've felt this more in like my little book clubs than I have on like the bigger scale. When you have individual people talk about stuff and how personal it is to them, it goes back to like Austin's universal. And like, it adds so much to the text when you read that. And I can't imagine living yeah. in a world where like, I wouldn't have heard the different perspectives from people and like how passionately they talk about Austin because it's so close to them because I was like, you're not an academic. Like, I think, Mm -hmm. I definitely think like a next round of like the next year, I really want to like, not only like raise voices of the academics doing the work, because I think there are definitely people doing it, but I Mm -hmm. also understand like academia is a hard space and also is not without fault. And I think part of in this community, at least a subset of the community that does value academic 
discussion and academia needs to also grapple with like how can we raise the voices of the academics that are like have not been favored by this institution that is not going to favor them that's not going to give them the space especially when we think about potentially like a a future where economics are not going to be great for people how are we going to empower academics that may not be attached to an academy how are we going to empower people you know what I mean like I think those are some granular things that I'm thinking about too where it's just like if we're going to give power through saying well it's a published article it's this academic how do we make that space also you know what I mean like more equitable how do we do that and it it takes some work because I'm just like I'm not in the daily academic stream I like I'm gonna need like a little bit of like help but I also like want to acknowledge the help people give um around that but yeah it's just there's a lot like from literally saying how do we talk about the Romani and like Emma to how do we do better research how do we have better like speakers how like as far as just like a a more a a bigger breadth of speakers that we interact with when we talk about Jane Austen and when we have you know in spaces like this And I just want to point out that there is an audience for that. I mean, I don't know how many times I've heard some nonsense like, you know, people of color aren't interested in Jane Austen or, um, you know, people just in general aren't interested in hearing about, you know, diversity within the Austen community. And I do think that the virtual Austen con that you threw, Bianca, was um, a great example of like, actually, people do want that. (laughs) They do want to see that in this space. Um, I've actually been working as a diversity consultant for several cultural organizations. And I also keep hearing things like, you know, well, there aren't a lot of young people or people of color or women at any of our meetings or reflected in our membership. So they're just they're just not interested. (laughs) They're not interested in like, you know, nature or science or the arts. And, you know, nine times out of 10, I say to that, you know what, they are interested. They're just getting the content elsewhere. So I did a talk recently for this nature and science museum that is really struggling in that area. And I presented them with 10 like well-known organizations that focus on STEM and diversity. And they have the membership base that this museum was missing. And I was like, look, the people are out there, but for some reason they aren't in your space. And instead of assuming that they aren't interested, you need to get introspective and figure out what's not working. Like, is it your marketing? Is it your programming? You know, is it your leadership? Like what is going on here? And those conversations could be exactly the same, I mean, are exactly the same in the theater as well, where they're like, young people don't come, you know, my, it's, it's predominantly white audience. What is that? And uh, like Bianca was talking before, like I've definitely gotten many, oh, I don't know any South Asian actors. Can you send me a list? And I'm like, how did I just become like a de facto <laughs> casting agent, um, mm-hmm. you know, yep. that is not getting paid um, mm-hmm. for that work. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so I mean, I think that that's the case in so many cultural spaces, not just literary, not just theatrical. I'm sure in the visual arts, I'm sure in so many different arts and culture, there is this overarching kind of like, well, only white people do it. So I'm like, no, there are lots of cultures that do all these things that you're doing. And unless you 
go out and open your doors to them and welcome them in, mm -hmm. um, you're not going to have a more diverse membership, um, for lack of a better word. And also um, having been someone who's also been kind of brought into predominantly white spaces is kind of like, hey, let's mix it up a little bit. I think there's a big difference between being invited and being welcomed. Yes. Yes. 100%. Sorry, so, sorry, Nandita, that was such a fantastic point because I feel like I always struggle with, particularly in writing, particularly in uh, in the Jaff world with this like um, Highlander syndrome, right? There can only be mm -hmm. one, right? So um, I get a lot of comparisons to pride, right? Um, and I was like, well, well why, right? Um, pride is YA. Uh, my work is not YA. It's very, you know, it's very different. Um, and they're just like, well, you know, Black Jane Austen, Black Pride and Prejudice, right? I was like, yeah, but it's not that at all, right? Um, but like the, the whole idea of like, hey, we have the one, right? So we've done it. Um, yeah. It can only be one, or this is like this, because these characters um, have the same like melanin amount, right, in their skin. And like those types of like bridges that people connect to say like, okay, so we've done as many white adaptations of Jane Austen as humanly possible, um, but we have that one black, so Jane Austen is complete, right? right. And so like the-, the We'll idea, do 20 with zombies. No, <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> let's not forget the zombies, right? Like it can go anywhere, right? But when you have the one black, then yeah. racism is over. Do you know what I mean? They yeah. did. Right. Um, so yeah, so that Highlander effect is, is very real. And so the idea of being welcome and invited, right? Is, uh, very, very different. It goes back to the, the actual benefit or the perceived benefit of turning some types of text into canonical, right? Yeah, like yeah. What, how does one benefit from turning something into a kind of unchangeable space? Mm -hmm. um, because there is real like benefit, right? There's action associated with turning something into canon. Mm -hmm. Right, um, that it doesn't get to be moved, it doesn't get to be actively criticized, doesn't get to be seen as lacking or without. Um, and what gets to be canon is also uh, political as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Bianca, you've been throwing up a lot of resources on Instagram <laughs> and Twitter. I've been trying, uh, I've been using a lot of Instagram space because I know that's like where things can go farther, but Instagram has limitations, right? Yeah. Um, so I've been trying to just get people, um, I need to do like actual blog posts that link out. Um, but Abby Barty wrote something about the gypsy as trope in Victorian modern British literature, which I cited. Um, there's something about, um, uh, I, I also heavily cited the, um, recent Dickens universe, um, project and like their whole like they did this amazing conference um virtual conference where they also had a ton of resources for teachers for you know students for like the whole spectrum of people who are in, being introduced to dickens or who have talked about dickens um so you if you haven't checked them out look for their um it's dickens virtual universe like if you google that you should be able to find their program and so you can rewatch all the program that they had um, it's just, it's amazing. I didn't get to watch all of it because it happened like while I was working for part of it, but all of it's re recorded in there if you want to watch it. But they also had spectacular community guidelines and also just like breakdowns of why they're doing the things they're doing and why they're talking about things. And, and specifically the thing about that I bring back to Austin is like, 
they were really breaking down like don't use the terms that were like slurs or bad from the text like we we know that we know that like today we should not be using those terms there are other ways to talk about these issues i think that's really important when we think about like the mindset of things as far as just like i would love for us to have standards about like how we use Romany and not like the G slur, uh, like in Austin spaces. If people have said they don't feel comfortable with those words, let's think about that. Or even, I think what was really important too in their thing was breaking down like how we should use like enslaved person instead of a slave and like how we should think about the, the terms we're using in the power dynamics there. Um, and like, I think that's, people aren't, I think people are trying to get there. And I think that that was just a really good standard and like explanation that I think is really useful for a lot of this space. Um, I know Dickens is a little after Austin, but I do think that there's a lot there that still makes us so much sense for this community to really sit with. Now we are just at the end of our allotted time, but I do want to ask you all if you have any, you know, final Austin thoughts. And the one thing that I just want to add to this conversation is just that the reason I was so attracted to Jane Austen initially was that it was one of the few canonical texts that featured women, mm -hmm. you know? So that's again, like why I'm like that. I, and I imagine most of these Jane Austen communities grow from that desire to see strong female centered stories. So to kind of then be like, but just white women um, is very strange to me. I, I know I sound like this, just the very naive person um, on this talk being like, I can't believe it, even though I've been <laughs> in the theater for you know, 100 years telling people, oh, you know, it'd be <laughs> interesting if you had some diversity on stage. Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, but yeah, I guess I just think that so much around Austin communities is about foregrounding voices that are not normally foregrounded. And so it really astounds me to then put a break on that at any point. Yes, there's lots of women's stories to be told and there are lots of women of lots of different races and backgrounds. and sexual orientations and abilities and all kinds of things. And why wouldn't you, after getting a taste of what it's like to have a female protagonist, why wouldn't you want more? I want to say that I fell in love with Jane Austen by way of a fantastic protagonist, Cher, from Clueless. Yes. <laughs> yeah, of course. I loved her best friend, Dion. I loved how they turned this like LA school, multicultural, right? With mm -hmm. uh, like uh, uh, all these potential opportunities to see Jane Austen. Like when you have the opportunity to put a obstinate, headstrong girl with pert opinions and fine eyes into any situation, why wouldn't you, right? <laughs> like mm -hmm. why wouldn't you throw that combination into as many possibilities as you could. And I, I think if you're a lover of Jane Austen, you get excited about what that could look like in space, right? <laughs> Let's do it live, right? I mean, like you get excited about what it could look like, but um, to see that shut down is again, um, like Nandita, it's curious to me, like why? I think like the only thing 
I want to add is that I I think we as like a person uh, like a very light skinned Latina unpacking like all the weird like my family was impacted by colonialism but I really love this novel from this colonialist woman like it's hard um and like it's a thing that I grapple with a lot so uh if you're feeling that ever you're not alone um because I know that like sometimes it can also feel whether you're in physical spaces where you're the only person like you or especially if it's like an all-white space um or where especially in families where they're just like, like my dad is always like, I've moved the same books for you like every three years. Like, why do we still have these same books? What, like, what, what, mm -hmm. what is, I don't understand. Um, where just like people aren't, you know, they don't get your nerdum. They don't, they don't get like what it is about this. Like there are people out there. Cause I think like for me, I grew up like, and I didn't have a lot of community around this kind of stuff. Like there was Star Wars community that I could easily find or like Harry Potter community, but there wasn't like a Jane Austen community that was really accessible, but the, but that also reflected me when I was growing up mm -hmm. or like a classic literature space. And I just want to say like, there are nerds there, like you can find a space. Um, it might not be in the physical realm, but like there are definitely places out there that you can find like your fellow nerds that you can like feel like you can like take off that jacket that's like that kind of keeps you a little bit restricted and keeps you from being able to talk about things the way that you feel comfortable with um it might take some time but like I hope that there's something at least by now out there like whether it's like bonnets or drunk Austin or something because I think that like the one great thing about the internet there are a lot of bad things but is that like we've all been able to find community in some way and also build communities that we aren't seeing um, and that that's also an encouragement too. if you aren't seeing community that like you need that you're wanting for like You're probably not alone And if you start something like if you start like a Facebook page or group or whatever like literally DM me Like DM drunk Austin and like I'm totally down to promote it Like that's a thing that I'll do sometimes I'll say hey, I saw your cool group Is it okay if I like promote it because I don't want it to get like to, like spammed suddenly or I don't you know what I mean? Like I don't want you to yeah. like it. I totally get wanting to keep things small um, but yeah, I'm totally down to like encourage people to like just live your best nerd life But also like if you don't feel safe yet, like I'm down to talk to you about like where you could find safe spaces and like how you can also Encourage safe spaces in your communities because I know it takes a lot of work and I know it's really hard um, I work in social media professionally So if, if you ever have questions about like even how to start Facebook pages or how to like do any of this stuff or how to have like a virtual Jane Austen convention for two days suddenly um let me know and I will like totally <laughs> how to do it um because I am that crazy person that's like yes you have the tools and they're mostly free and I I want you to feel like you can like access this but also do the programming or do like find a community that like works for you I love that you put that out there because I do see a lot of conferences and events happening and um I am always you know I came from the comics community and I feel like I've been one of those annoying people within that community for many many years saying hey where are the women on the panel where are the people of color like why why is this all white guys and um again it comes back to people going I just I don't know I don't know where they are I don't it know how to happened. find them it just happened or these are the people that were willing to do it and I'm like we're putting ourselves out here and constantly and so 
just please pay attention to that. <laughs> Be mindful. Maybe include some of us in, you know, leadership positions Ooh. as an idea. <laughs> um, anything you guys want to promote? Anything at all? Personal projects? Just a movie you saw that you loved in lockdown? I don't even care. I am on Twitter, Nandita Shinoy, New York. Um, or Nandita Shinoy, NY. Um, so... Uh, um, well, I have um, written a novel called Neverfield Must Go. Um, it is about a very opinionated um, um, Black woman who meets an, a very, very arrogant man. I think you guys know the rest. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I think we all know how to <laughs> I'm excited about it because it matches a um, black woman with an Asian man. Um, I'm excited about it because it is romantic in the way that I like to see romances where people are really struggling with um, what it means to love this type of person. Um, and um, I'm also excited to, um, to um, talk a little bit about what I'm doing in the future. So I'm writing a persuasion in space, right? <laughs> um, it's going to um, take place on a near earth satellite um, in orbit where those sectors are associated with social class. And I'm just very, very excited about that, um, about my next project, but Netherfield Must Go um, is out and I'm excited about it. Follow me on Instagram at at black underscore Jeff. Um, it's just literally a picture of, <laughs> um, it's just about black Jeff. It's, it's really, it's perfect. <laughs> I wish it were, but it's just fun Jane Austen quotes and ridiculous memes. And mm -hmm. that's it right now. Sounds great. I mean, that's it. I want to know all about this persuasion in space. You have my yeah. attention. Oh, it's, I'm so excited about it. I'm so excited about it. Oh, Sector 1743 is never going to be the same. <laughs> Sign me the fuck up for this, like, directly into my veins. This is everything I've ever wanted. <laughs> See how excited people get when you give them something new to work with? Yeah. Um. You can find all of my stuff. Um, I'm a co-admin from Boston. So if you follow us anywhere, you can DM, find me there. Um, if you want to follow my personal stuff where I'm posting more of this kind of broader like learnings and like things, um, I am at Book Hoarding on Facebook and on Twitter and then Bianca Hernandez on Instagram. And we are back. So big, big thanks to all of our guests. They are so awesome and super talented. And I'm really hoping that we are gonna see all of them on Austin panels in the future. And uh, one thing I did want to mention was that we taped this interview before uh, Drunk Austin dissolved. So, so you can now find Bianca at um, the Jane Austen universe on Facebook. You spoke quite a bit about the universality of Austin in that discussion, Lauren. And I just want to, I don't want to like point out, but just like reiterate, like shout for the people at the back of the room. Austin's work has been popular and is popular with people of color and writers of color for a long, 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 long time. Mm -hmm. And we have seen uh, diverse adaptations like Pride being described as trendy or new like 
you know and they say the same with like comic books or it's like a phase or it's you know it's like they'll do anything to get people to read now or like what's wrong with just text on its own um it's gatekeeping guys when you say that by the way Mm -hmm. you're not being accessible (laughs) and um i think it's worth pointing out just also the historical influence that Austin has had on authors like Alice Dunbar Nelson and Francis Harper. Mm-hmm. And on that note, we will be discussing the influence of authors like Dickens, Charlotte Bronte and Jane Austen on Victorian era African-American writers later on this season. And I know that a lot of our Austin listeners tend to only listen to our Austin episodes, but I do hope you'll check some of those out, especially next week because we're going to be discussing The Woman of Colour, which is an epistolary novel written by an anonymous author. We're joined by special guest Kerry Sinanen, and I promise if you loved the Mansfield Park read-along, you are going to like this episode. Yes, I am very excited about that episode. And if you disagreed with us during the Mansfield Park (laughs) read-along, you're going to hate it. Yeah, probably. Now, one last thing before we wrap up here, I just wanted to point our listeners to a couple of articles. One that I mentioned during the discussion was the Lopped and Cropped newsletter, How to Incorporate Diversity into Jaff. Um, And Nikki also mentioned the sort of Regency era ladies who would protest sugar, which is fascinating. And to learn more about that, then you should check out a piece called Serving Tea for a Cause in Lapham's Quarterly by Trisha Matthew, who was a guest on our Mansfield Park series. And um, I will be posting those links on our socials and our Facebook group. And uh, Hannah, where can you find those on the internets? You can find us as always on Instagram and Twitter at bonnets at dawn. You can email us at bonnets at dawn at gmail.com or you can join us on Facebook by searching for bonnets at dawn. 